want you to welcome him today, Pastor Colin Urquhart. Praise God. Please be seated. Well, all that matters is Jesus is here. Did you know that there's a letter in the New Testament that was written to California? It's a bit of a miracle because 2,000 years ago, nobody knew about California. But let me read it to you, the first few verses. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, together with all those everywhere. Is California part of everywhere? So this letter is written to you, yes? Yes, Together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Now that's an amazing way to start any letter, but especially to the Christians in Corinth. If you wanted to ask the question, which was the worst church in the New Testament, you wouldn't have to think for long. You'd say, well, Corinth, the church in Corinth. Because that had just about every conceivable problem you could imagine. There was jealousy, there were party factions, there was disunity, there was immorality that was going on that went on uncorrected. You name it, it was happening in Corinth. And it's clear that actually what we call the first letter was really the second letter, but the first letter we, that Paul wrote to Corinth we, we don't have. And the elders in Corinth responded to Paul's first letter and asked a whole load of questions about what they should do about this, that, and the other. And uh, then Paul wrote this letter in response to the letter from the elders. And so he's got to address all these problems, all these specific issues that need to be corrected, things that shouldn't have been going on there in the church in Corinth. But instead of just wading in and, and saying, well, this shouldn't be happening and this is what you should do about that and, and all the rest, he begins by reminding them of the truth. You are sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy. In other words, he was saying, God took hold of your lives and set you apart for his purposes as a holy people. Why are you allowing all these crazy things to be going on in the church? You're a sanctified people. That means a people that are set apart for God's purpose. Sanctified or consecrated comes to the same thing. 
When Jesus was praying that great high priestly prayer in John 17, just before he went to the cross, he said this. He's praying, of course, to his Father in heaven. He's saying for them, that is for all those who are called to be his disciples, for them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. What, what does this really mean in practice? Because it sounds sort of very spiritual language, almost things that are beyond us. Uh, in my experience, Christians really struggle with this word holy because they look at themselves and they, they see so much that isn't holy. They say, well, how can I possibly be a holy person? But according to the New Testament, if you are born again, you are a saint. Where I come from, people say amen to things like that. <laughs> Met with stunned silence here. God can even have saints in, in America <laughs> because he's no respecter of persons. So, isn't that amazing? But once you were a sinner and now you are a saint, let me tell you, there's nothing in between. You are either a sinner or a saint. Well, because I'm not a sinner, I'm Saint Colin. I don't think the Pope knows about it. He hasn't, <laughs> he hasn't named a day after me, but I don't need the Pope to recognize me as a saint because Jesus Christ has already recognized me as a saint. And he's already recognized you as a saint. But you see, do you, when you get out of bed in the morning and put your foot on the ground, think, praise God, a saint is getting up. <laughs> and when you look at the mirror at six o'clock in the morning, say, good morning, saint. You're going to have a greatly sanctified day. Probably you don't think like that. But you see, this is the truth of the matter. You could not have made yourself a saint, but God has made you one. You can't become one gradually. You see, what happened when Jesus was crucified is he didn't only take your sin. I mean, that would have been good just to take your sin so that you could be forgiven. But the trouble is that your life was a sin factory. So he had to deal not only with the sin, but with the factory that produced the sin. Any believers in this place? Okay. Now, the only way he could deal with the factory was to take the factory to the cross as well as the sins and put the factory to death. 
So you see, the sinner that you were was put to death when Jesus took you to the cross. See, Paul understood this, which is why he said, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. So, and then Paul, you see, when he's writing to the Colossians, he says, you have died. Well, he's not talking physically, obviously, but he's talking about what happened to them when Jesus took them to the cross. You have died, and your life is now, 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 hidden with Christ in God. So, you see, he would say the same if he was writing to the church in uh, California. You have died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You are no longer a sinner, for the sinner was put to death. Now, God has brought a new creation into being, and that new creation is a saint. Oh, we're making progress. We're making progress. Okay. So, of course, if we're made saints, we're called to live as saints. Now, let's talk about the word consecration. Because, you know, I... I know that sometimes Christians talk about coming to a fresh consecration. Uh, you might have heard a message, somebody talking about consecration, and, and you know, the, the preacher said, uh, this is the opportunity for you to make a fresh consecration of your life to God. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Three of you. Praise God. <laughs> so... <clears throat> So we tend to think that consecration is something we do, but that's to misunderstand consecration. You see, when Jesus said, I sanctify or I consecrate myself that they too may be truly consecrated, what, what he did was this. He took hold of your life. He took you to the cross. He put the sinner to death. Killed off the sin factory so that you could become a new creation. And then he was raised from the dead and he offered you to the Father in consecration. He consecrated you. He did that 2,000 years ago. Now, you might not live a consecrated life. We'll see what that means in a moment. But he has actually consecrated you. 
there's a sense in which you can't come to a fresh consecration unless you understand I am now living in the consecration of my life that Jesus made when he took me to the cross, rose from the dead, and presented me to the Father. Hello? So, what does it mean to live a consecrated life? Well, Paul puts it very clearly. He says, you are not your own. Uh, you see, if, if, if you say, I want God to bless my life, God says, what do you mean? You don't have a life. It's my life, not your life. You're consecrated to me. Your life is not your own. You were bought with a price. I purchased you with the blood of my son. You see, if you go to the store and you come to the checkout and all the articles that you want pass through the checkout, you pay the money, those articles now do not belong to the store. They belong to you because you paid the price for them. So you don't leave them on the counter in the store. You take them. They're your property. Well, that's what happened on the cross. Jesus took you, paid the price for you. He says, right, now you're mine. Either you belong to yourself or you belong to me, but you can't belong to both. So either your own, your own or your mine... Make your choice. Now, most Christians don't like that kind of thinking. They say, well, Lord, let's, let's sit down at the table together. <laughs> let's, let's talk this through, shall we? And let's come to a kind of a compromise where we're both happy. And God says, no, no deal. I'm only happy if you're 100% mine. Because what I did on the cross was pay for every part of you with the blood of my son. There's no such thing as partial, partial salvation. There's only complete salvation. And if there's complete salvation, then you're mine. Now, of course, it's one thing to understand that that's the biblical truth. It's another thing to live that out in your life. Because, you see, if you recognize that you're his, then how do you spend your time? Well, you spend your time in the way that will glorify him. How do you spend your money? You spend it, not just the tithe that goes to the Lord, but 100% you spend your money to please him because actually you don't possess any money. It is his. He's made you a steward of what belongs to him. I mean, it's not just the first tenth that belongs to him. You know, some people say, oh, the tithe is Old Testament. I say, well, praise God, because in the New Testament, it's 100%. 
Do you, do you understand what the income of this church is? If, if you got all the members together and you asked them to write down on a piece of paper what their income is every year and you added that all together, that's the income of this church. Because the church consists of its members, yes? So that's the income of the church. Now, how much is released into the ministry here? That's another matter. But actually, the income of the church is the total income of all its members. So, of course, living in a wealthy area like California, this church will want for nothing. Because it's so wealthy. You've gone very quiet. <laughs> oh, well, Pastor, we'll acknowledge that Jesus is the owner of everything so long as you leave our money alone. <laughs> but what does Jesus say? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So you don't want only 10% of your heart to be in the church. Are you there? Amen. Okay. Amen. Once you respond, we'll get off the subject of money. Is that all right? <laughs> but you see, what we, what we do with what we have is just an indication of how consecrated we live. How consecrated our lives really are in experience. One of the things I, I love about our, our church is, is how many people help one another, even financially, and, and do so in a very quiet, unobtrusive manner without anybody knowing about it. You know, making gifts, if you know somebody's in need, people just sort of make gifts to them anonymously. And, of course, that's in accordance with the Scripture because... In the first letter of John, he says, if your brother has need and you close up your heart against the need of your brother, how can the love of God be in you? And of course, most churches get around that by making sure that nobody knows what anybody else needs, then you don't have to meet the need. <laughs> Hello. I mean, it's difficult for me to think that anybody in California could have a need but, you know, just to, to show you how this worked, there was, there was one, one Sunday when uh, the pastor who was, was preaching that particular Sunday just felt moved to say to people, if you have any need, financial need, just write your name on a piece of paper and write down what the financial need is. And then he said, right now, all those of you that have done that, come and put it face down, your face down on the front of the platform. So they did that. And then he said, now, if any of you have spare financial resources, I want you to pray that God will lead you to one of these pieces of paper. And I want you to pick it up and then go to that person at the end of the meeting and meet that financial need if you're able to. Uh, if you can't do that, then stand with them in faith and say that you will pray with them and believe with them until that financial need is met. So people came forward and did that. And I heard subsequently that that morning every financial need was met. Wow. Amen. 
But that's just, that's just church being church. See, that's laying down your life for one another. That's loving one another as he has loved us. And we think, well, you know, that's unusual. I'm not saying that, you know, every church would do that every Sunday. It would become a system and it could easily be open to abuse. But when these things are, are, are done under the anointing of the Spirit, they're always going to work, aren't they? But it's the heart, you see, isn't it? It's the heart attitude. Well, what God has given me, he's entrusted to me to be used for his glory. And if I have a brother and sister in need, well, if I love them and I'm able to meet the need, then I will do so. Not to encourage sponges, you understand. But we're talking about need. It's living a consecrated life. See, if you live a consecrated life, you live a life of giving. Not just financially, but giving of yourself. Giving of your time. Yeah, to serve within the body, but also to serve outside of the context of whatever happens here on a Sunday. Is there any way in which you can help your brother, your sister? Do they have some kind of need or help of assistance. And, of course, the, there will be times when that will be demanding because if you love, you can't say, well, I'll love you when it's convenient for me. See, Jesus said, if you follow me, then you're going to have to deny yourself day by day, uh, take up your cross and follow me. And that means that often it's not convenient for us to love, but still we have to love. We have to make whatever sacrifices are necessary in order to actually express the love of God through our lives. Anybody know what I'm talking about? See, this is living a consecrated life. This is understanding my life is not my own. I do not belong to myself. God has called me. He's chosen me called me by name, set me apart to be his child. I am a holy person. I am a saint. It doesn't mean I'm perfect in everything that I do. It's simply that he's set me apart and says, you are mine. I live in you. You live in me. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So I want to express my love, my life, my glory through you. Hallelujah. And this is what it means to be church. You, see, you know, the sad thing is that there are so many people who spend a lifetime going to church and never discover what it is to be church. You can go to church all your life and still not understand what it is to be church. There are big congregations of people in this nation that are not really church, they're preaching stations. And people go because there's a good message, a good teaching of the word, you know. But what matters in the church is what happens from Monday to Saturday. I mean, Sunday is only real if what happens on Sunday is then outworked from Monday to Saturday. There's no point in coming here and saying all kinds of glorious things to the Lord unless we then go and live for his glory during the week. Amen. So this is simply to live a life consecrated to Jesus. 
because we recognize he has already consecrated me. I, I've got no alternative. I, I, can't, I can't unconsecrate myself. I can disobey him. I can, uh, I can choose to please myself instead of him. But I can't unconsecrate myself because he has already consecrated me. He has already sanctified me. He has already purchased me for himself. And you know, if you read the book of Revelation, one of the things that's proclaimed about Jesus in heaven is that he purchased men for God. And you're one of those that he purchased. And you can only be in heaven because he purchased you. Because he bought you with his blood. So that you could be his for all eternity. Now that, to me, speaks of the immensity of God's love. Because, you know, being God, he knows the end from the beginning. When you first gave your life to Jesus, he knew everything that was going to happen in your life. He even knows how it will end. He even knows what your reward will be on the day of judgment. Because he lives in eternity. He lives outside of time. So he can see the end from the beginning. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And so, you know, he... He sees the, the selfishness, he sees the sin, he sees all the self-concern and, and all that kind of stuff. But still he called you, still he chose you, still he consecrated you. Mm -hmm. and, and he has a process where during this time from when you gave your life to Jesus to when you're going to have to stand before him on the day of judgment and give account, of what you did with your new life that he gave you. Uh, he, he, he can see that what is required is a program to transform you from one degree of glory to another so that when you come to that place, when you see him face to face, that then you will be like him. And so, you see, he, he watches your progress. And, and he, he has, the scripture says, he has prepared good things for you to walk in. And he puts those good things before you every day of your life. And, and the scripture says that the testing of your faith proves that it's genuine. So, what he does between between this point when you gave your life to Jesus and, and that point when you're going to appear before him on the day of judgment, is he keeps testing your faith. He puts things before you and say, right, now let's see if he loves. Let's see if he serves. Let's see if he denies himself and pays the cost to love that person, to lay his life down for that person. Let, 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 let's see if he makes the right sacrifice of his body, holy and acceptable to me. Let, let's, see, let, let's see how he gets on. And, and the, po the point is this, that it's rather like taking a driving test. You know, I, I don't know how, how you do that over here, but in, in, in my country, if you fail the driving test, you have to take it again. 
Does that sort of thing happen over here? Yeah, okay, I thought it might. Okay, and you have to keep taking it till you pass it. So when God puts a test before us, if you fail, he puts the same test before you again. And again, and again, and again. Until you pass that test, then you move on. Hello? And if, if ever you felt stuck, it's because you're failing the test at that point. And, and God can't move you on in his purposes in the way that he wants. He says, well, wait a minute, you're consecrated to me and I'm putting this test before you and you're not listening to what I say, you're not doing what I say, and I love you enough to persist until you jolly well do what I'm telling you to do. <laughs> and, and then, you know, there's, there's rejoicing in heaven when you actually do it. And he says, that's great, now we can move on to the next step. And, of course, as, as you progress like this, you become more and more glorious, more and more the glory of God in your life, more and more like Jesus. God is blessed more and more. There's more and more fruit in your life, and it's fruit that lasts, and God is happy, the angels are happy, and believe it or not, you get happy. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you see, the... The biggest test of all is, do you belong to yourself or to me? Right, now you know what the right answer is. But then he puts it to the test. Okay, let's see in this situation whether you choose to please yourself or to please me. And often the way you please him is by loving others. Because you can only love him by loving others, can't you? Isn't that what Jesus says? There is no greater love than this that a man lays down his life for his friends. You are to love one another as I have loved you. John says, if God has so loved us by laying down his life for us, then we ought to love one another by laying down our lives for one another. Yes? So, well, you've got a whole message on that in the previous service, so you can listen to that one. But but you see, the, the, the great thing is that God's in charge of the program in every one of our lives. And according to my Bible, he wants the best for us. He wants us to prosper, not just materially, but he wants us to prosper spiritually. He wants us to be full of love, full of joy, full of peace, full of hope, full of everything that is good, full of Christ. Because the scripture says, you have come to the fullness of life in Christ. So, that consecration will always be tested. But God does that because he loves you. Huh? He disciplines those he loves. And if he, if he didn't do that, if he didn't test your faith in that way, you would never grow in faith. And sometimes, you know, Christians get all upset because some problem arises, some major problem. Oh, God, what have I done to deserve this? Never say that to God because the answer is always plenty. <laughs> but actually, God doesn't deal with, uh, deal with us like that. You know, the, these things that happen are not punishment from God because Jesus has borne our punishment. 
Yes? The punishment that brought us peace, peace was laid upon him, and by his stripes we are healed, yes? So it's not punishment, but here on the Day of Judgment, according to uh, chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation, where there's those seven letters to the churches in Asia Minor, each one of them ends to he who overcomes. There's all these wonderful promises uh, of what is going to be given, of all the rewards that are going to be given. Salvation is his gift, right? Yeah. Oh, I can see I need to talk to you about salvation and reward. <laughs> see, these are two different things. Salvation is a gift freely given by God's grace. All you did was put your faith in, in what he did, right? And, and, you know, praise God for, for that wonderful grace that has given us the gift of salvation. So what's going to happen on the day of judgment it's not your salvation that is at stake. That's already been decided because you put your faith in Jesus. But what will be determined by God is your reward. And Jesus said on a number of occasions that everyone will be rewarded according to what he has done. Uh-huh. And Jesus talks about the least in the kingdom and the greatest in the kingdom. So you have to decide whether you're going to, yeah, you have to decide. Are you going to be among the least or the greatest? Do, do you remember that uh, scripture that says that there will be some that will be saved, but only as through fire? Ha, have you ever wondered what that meant? Well, you see, what the scripture says is on this day of judgment, then everyone's works will be tested by fire. And these works are, are of different kinds. There's those that are wood, hay, stubble. They all get burnt up by fire. So the person still gets the salvation. They're saved, but only as through fire because all their works got burnt up. Why? Because they were living for themselves. Their works were motivated by self not by the glory of God. But then there's the works that are silver, gold, and precious stones. See, they can all survive the fire. And for those works, there will be the reward in heaven. But those are not the works you do. They're the works that the Holy Spirit does in you and through you. So this is the amazing thing. We allow the Spirit to work through us and then we are given the reward. But if we just live for ourselves, doing the good things that we want to do, thinking that that's what's going to please God, all that is going to get burnt up. Because a consecrated people, you see, are a people of the Spirit, aren't they? There are people whose lives are filled with the Spirit. There are people who are listening to the voice of the Spirit. There are people who day by day are doing what the Spirit of God is telling them to do. So the Spirit puts in front of each of us those things that sometimes are a challenge, sometimes just an opportunity to live, to bless, to, to serve, to give to people. And every time, you see, God wants not wood, hay, stubble that will get burnt up. He wants silver, gold, precious stones. So Jesus says, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, fruit that will last. 
eternal fruit, fruit that will survive the testing of fire. So there's all these rewards for the overcomers. But how can you become an overcomer unless you've got things to overcome? So in in this whole process, God makes sure that events happen in our lives that we will respond to in such a way that we have to overcome. And he says, that's great, because you're becoming an overcomer. And the overcomers are those who are going to be great, because what it says is the overcomers are those who will sit on the throne with him and will reign with him. Now, do you want to be among the also-rens, or do you want to be among the great that are sitting on the throne with him, ruling and reigning for all eternity with him? I I don't want to be an also-ren, do you? I don't want to be someone who gets saved but only has through fire. Some of you are looking at me very strangely. This is the word of God, yes? I'm just paraphrasing a whole lot of scripture for you this morning. So, instead of resenting this problem, oh God, why have you allowed this to happen to me? So you can overcome. So you can get a great reward. So Jesus said, when you're persecuted, when people treat you badly, rejoice and be glad. Why? For great will be your reward in heaven. Why? Because here's something to overcome. So instead of, instead of resenting the problem and saying, oh God, why have you let this happen? Instead of listening to the devil who says, if God really loved you, that wouldn't have happened in your life. Instead of listening to all those lies and foolishness of the devil, you say, thank you, Jesus. In everything you work for my good, in every situation you work for my good, even in this situation that I can't understand why it's happened or why you've allowed it to happen, but thank you that you're working for my good. Thank you that you live in me. Thank you that you enable me to overcome. Thank you I'm not going to be defeated by this, but this situation is going to be defeated because Christ is in me, the hope of glory. Amen. And so you will rule and reign with him. Not because you believed in his grace. That's what's given you salvation. But because you've done the stuff. And do you remember what Jesus says that on that day there's going to be a separation of goats and sheep? What was the difference? The sheep did the stuff. The goats didn't. The goats just lived for themselves. And every time I read that scripture, it always seems to me that the goats thought they were sheep. But you see, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and follow me. They don't hear my voice and do their own thing. They don't hear my voice and live for themselves. They hear my voice and follow me. And I consecrate myself that they too may be fully consecrated. Is that you? Come on, let's all stand, shall we? 
Thank you, Jesus. I want you just to close your eyes. You're not in a rush that you've got nothing better to do than to pray to Jesus. So we'll just take a few minutes. There's no other service immediately. So just be still. And first of all, thank the Lord that he called you chose you by name he took not only your sin but he took you to the cross thank him that he crucified you with Christ that he purchased you for himself so that you would belong to him for all eternity. So thank him that he consecrated himself that you too may be fully consecrated. Thank him that you're not the sinner you used to be, but the saint he has made you. Now dare to call yourself saint and then whatever your Christian name is. Just say to the Lord, thank you that you've made me saint, whoever you are. Lord, I want to really understand my new identity as a saint, as one set apart for you. Now thank the Lord that in his love for you, he allows your faith to be tested so that you become an overcomer. Drawing on the power of His Spirit. Drawing upon all the resources that are yours in Christ. To enable you to overcome in those situations. Thank Him that you're not a sinner. You're not a failure. You're not a defeated one. But He's made you a saint overcomer a successful one thank him that this morning you put all past failure behind you that this is like a the first day of a new chapter in your Christian life Never mind what's gone before. It's, it's what lies ahead that matters as far as God is concerned. And he's saying to you today, child, I have loved you with an everlasting love. A 
with loving kindness I have drawn you to myself. I have crucified you with my son so that you are no longer your own but you were purchased for me with his blood so that you would be mine for all eternity. And the Lord is saying, I want to be glorified in your life, child. I want you to bear much fruit for my glory. So don't resent the challenges and the difficulties and the problems. See that you will glorify me in overcoming every one of them. See how you will grow in stature before God and man as you trust me in every situation in your life. Remember always that you are led in my triumphal procession in Christ Jesus. I never lead any of my children in failure, in fear, or in defeat. I always lead them in triumph, in victory. So I have called you and chosen you and set you apart to know my victory, to experience my victory, to be the overcomer I want you to be. Just before we close, I want you to thank God now for every life that God is going to bless through your life. That the Christ in you is going to touch the lives of many, many other people with his love, with his life, with his truth, with his power, with his healing, with his deliverance in so many different ways. Thank the Lord that he lives in you so that rivers of life will flow out of you. Rivers of living water, Jesus said. Rivers of the Spirit of God touching the lives of other people. Just lift your hands to the Lord now. Just pray for that fresh anointing of His Holy Spirit. we know that we can't produce fruit of ourselves. That's only wood, hay, and stubble. But we thank you for that fresh and precious anointing of your Spirit upon us now. May we be a people consecrated to yourself, fully yielded to your Holy Spirit. So we will listen to your voice day by day in your Word and by your Spirit and do what you are wanting us to do what you are commanding us to do and we thank you Lord for every life that will be touched 
with your life, your love, and your glory as a result. And I thank you, Father, for all my brothers and sisters in Christ in this room now. I thank you that through their ministry in these coming years, there will be many in heaven who would not otherwise be in heaven because you use them to touch the lives of those people and to draw them to yourself. That even people out there in the world that don't know you now will come to understand that they too are chosen to be a consecrated people. And we praise you in the precious name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Let's just let's just let Pastor call in. You know, let's just let's let's do that again, and let's give him the round of applause that he deserves. To let him know how much we appreciate him. He doesn't want it, honestly. Uh, I've been around a lot of people in Christianity, and I don't think I've ever been around someone who carries more authority, more power in the spirit, but yet is more humble than this man. Just total humility. It's all for Christ, all for God. We're so thrilled. It really was a special weekend for our church. want to encourage you, go to the website, listen to all five messages. There's a leadership teaching from Friday. He preached a message on faith last night at the 8 a.m. service. He spoke one of the most powerful messages on forgiveness I've ever heard. Uh, The last service, he talked about laying down our life for one another, and then obviously the service today. All all five uh, teachings were completely different, and they were all powerful. It's like we got five different speakers in one weekend. And uh, I want to encourage you to listen to them all because it really will grow you. Uh, Have a great week. We'll be back at With Honor next week to finish the series. Failures, you won't walk out. Your great love will.